0: The use of herptiles and invertebrates in education programs often faces the same issues as the use of other animals like mammals and birds. Herptiles and invertebrates are neither more nor less dangerous than other animals. And like other animals, some are more appropriate to use than others in certain educational settings. The use of herptiles and invertebrates, however, can oftentimes provide more growth opportunities for the public given the largely negative view that the public has of them. So today, we are gonna discuss the 10 tips for using herptiles and invertebrates in educational outreach programs. Thank you for joining us for My Wildlife Style Radio a podcast series for busy wildlife professionals like wildlife rehabilitators and educators. I am your host, Emily Davenport, and I am the founder and executive director for the Rocky Mountain Wildlife Alliance. Our mission is to elevate the care and protection of Rocky Mountain Wildlife by fostering a sense of community and collaboration among wildlife professionals. Continuing education and training is an important component of our mission. Most wildlife professionals don't have time to sift through literature reviews or spend hours watching training videos or going to classes. We have designed our education content for the busy wildlife professional so you can learn while you're driving to your center or working on reports at your desk or running on the treadmill or walking your dog. We offer these classes both in person and online. In addition, we have created accompanying handouts and podcasts like this one that complement the classes and can be used internally with staff, volunteers, and interns. We truly believe helping wildlife professionals experience learning in their preferred format and at their own pace result in better educational outcomes. It is also a part of our mission to help make continuing education more affordable and accessible so that more individuals like you can participate and become even more effective caregivers. In our first podcast of the year, we brought you a very rehab-focused episode. This one is geared more towards education. Herptiles and invertebrates are one of the most commonly used education animals. We wanted to create some tips to help the herptile keeper and educator. These tips include best practices for working with animal ambassadors and creating efficient programming. In this episode, we are going to discuss the 10 tips for using herptiles and invertebrates in educational outreach programs. Many of our listeners know that I have been a wildlife rehabilitator for the last six years, but I also work with the largest education group in Colorado, Nature's Educators. Nature's Educators is a 501c3 educational wildlife program licensed by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. They care for non-releasable birds of prey and they also care for reptiles, mammals, invertebrates and other birds for educational programs. They travel to schools, nature centers, festivals, events and more to teach about wildlife, habitat and conservation. They also travel around Colorado and throughout other parts of the country spreading their educational message. They truly try and make a connection with their audience and they truly hope to foster respect and understanding for wildlife. These tips were a collaborative effort from several educators within Nature's Educators as well as other herptile keepers and volunteers So it's kind of a hodgepodge and to me, it's truly best practices in the industry. I find these tips to be universally helpful and important. So I hope that you will too. This is really not a top 10 list and these tips are in no particular order. I hope you will take these tips to heart and talk about these tips with your staff and volunteers and add to them as the year goes on. Because what is important to me or another herptile keeper may not be as important to somebody else. As I've said before, I could probably do a podcast on each one of these tips alone. But here we go. These are the 10 tips for using herptiles and invertebrates in educational outreach programs. The first tip on our list, tip number one, is know your state and local exotic laws. This one's pretty simple and self-explanatory, folks. Every state is different in what they allow and how they allow it. Before you get started with your own educational reptile program, make sure you are aware of your state laws as well as your city laws. They vary from county to county to city to city to state to state. It does all educators a disservice if you are potentially utilizing reptiles and invertebrates illegally. So do your homework first. Tip number two, represent the animal accurately. Be sure you know the facts about each animal and make sure they are accurate and up to date. There are many old wives tales surrounding these animals, so please don't spread them. My favorite always has to be that the daddy long legs is the most venomous spider in the entire world. Wait a minute, it's not even a spider, is it? It's not even venomous. So consider this when you are teaching the public educate yourself. Tip number three, you are presenting with live animals, not jewelry. Live animals should be treated with the respect and understanding they deserve. We strongly encourage you to keep animals in their containers or safely displayed in your hands, not around your necks or across your shoulders or clinging to clothes. Hold them safely in your hands and keep in mind you need to minimize your movement and not fling the animals around as you talk. It's as much about comfort and respect for the animals as it is about safety for the animals and the public. Remember that young children are especially impressionable. What happens when a young child sees you with a large snake around your shoulders, then tries to repeat the action? Could it get hurt or worse? Think before you act. Tip number four. Decide which ambassadors are appropriate for audiences to touch or to handle. Not all animals are meant for this, especially with herptiles and invertebrates. You need to decide when it's appropriate for an animal as well as the audience to touch or handle your ambassadors. Does touching a snake really help get the educational message across? What exactly are you trying to teach? What are your goals with your educational programming? Is touching or handling a snake really important to help others get over their fear? Does it add to their fear? You need to decide what is most important, safe, and what makes sense. Tip number five, transport your animals with their health in mind. Be cautious booking events in the cold winter months with your reptiles, amphibians, and invertebrates. You can always take heat packs, electric blankets, and the like in cars, but what happens once you are inside? Or what happens when you're walking from the car to the program location? What happens in the hot summer months when you can't control or cool down your ambassadors? While yes, these animals typically depend on extra heat sources to survive, they can also overheat too. Keep in mind that some days are just not going to be appropriate to bring your educational ambassadors out. Some days you just can't do programs for the animal's safety, and sometimes you will just need to modify your approach for the animal's health and well being in mind. Think about this ahead of time and have a plan. That way you are not caught off guard on those very cold days and those very hot days. Tip number six. This one is actually one of my personal pet peeves. Don't scare the audience. You are there as an educator. Don't use scare tactics. It really isn't good practice to reach your hands into an aquarium or travel crate or travel bag and then scream or make a big fuss while pretending to be attacked. What good does that do? This not only scares your audience members, especially young kids, but it really does nothing for the ambassador animals you are helping. It does nothing for teaching or educating the public and perpetuates fear of these animals. Tip number seven, teach about proper care as pets. While one of our goals as educators is to teach about the animals themselves, their natural history, their habitat, conservation and their ecosystems, A lot of these animals are kept as pets. If your audience is interested in keeping some of these animals as pets on their own, be sure to teach them proper care and husbandry. Maybe it's a good idea to sway them towards certain easy to care for species rather than the ones that have a great potential for ending up in rescues once they are too big or too much to care for. Again, know your animal laws whenever you are presenting. If this species even legal for you to keep here, know your facts. Tip number eight, make sure you choose appropriate outreach animals. Sure, that snake is really rare and really beautiful, but is it truly meant for outreach? You need to choose animals for outreach based on personality and ease of handling. Does the animal get too stressed? Is it really bitey and does it continually try to bite its handler? Are they difficult to transport or display safely? Audience members don't want to see you having to wrangle a snake that weighs too much for the handler or a tarantula that throws its hairs. Education should be teaching about respect of the animals as well as their natural history. Having a calm, non stressed ambassador is the key to doing this. Tip number nine health and well being comes first it's not appropriate or safe to take animals that are in the process of getting ready to shed. This is uncomfortable for them and can be dangerous, especially with snakes, for you and your audience members. Do not take out ambassadors with health concerns like mites or other injuries. That's just asking for trouble. Animal health, comfort, and safety should always come first above all else. And lastly, tip number 10, no matter how many other wildlife educators and organizations there are out there, remember, there is no such thing as competition in this profession. When like-minded people work together, we create a stronger, more professional, and more powerfully united mission for all. We've worked with many wildlife educators over the years that uh, will will loan us certain species that we didn't have in our Collection and vice versa. Um, This is how we help each other and help perpetuate our message. This episode today was short and sweet, so we're out of time. If you would like to share this podcast, it is free and available for everyone. You can find this podcast and others on our website, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and more. Tell us what you think of this episode by using the hashtag MyWildLifestyle. And my Wildlife Style Radio. If you would like more information on this topic or the accompanying handout for this podcast, it can be found in our member center and in our resource center. If you would like to become a member and receive exclusive continuing education content, visit our website at www.rmwalliance.org. Also, stay informed and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter, and YouTube. Again, thank you for joining us for My Wildlife Style Radio. I look forward to bringing you other educational topics soon.